As we uh, look at this passage of Scripture this morning, it reminds me that no leader, no matter how wonderful they may be, is without faults and without sin and won't disappoint you. How many of you have had leaders in your life or people that you've looked up to and only to find out that not only do they have cracks in their life, but they are not what they seem. And then later on you find out that they were even false in what they said they were. Anybody ever have anybody, somebody like that in your life? (laughs) When I got saved in New York City, um, across the street from my house was a bar that was turned into a church, and in that church, this pastor um, that I met, where my uncle used to get drunk, um, and he used to remind me of that, you go to a church where I used to get drunk, and I would go to that church, and this guy was amazing. I mean, he loved the Lord, loved his family. He preached the Bible verse by verse, He would go after people who didn't know Jesus Christ and he would share Jesus Christ with people. I mean, he was everything that I could ever ask for in a role model and more. In fact, my own father at that time was sick and dying and and so I looked to this man and I, I looked to him to fill that hole in my heart, to be that father figure. And he was. Um, he wasn't Italian, that was his one big fault, and, um, and so I struggled with that. But other than that, he was a Jersey guy, so that was another fault anyway. But, you know, there, there are some things, but he could do no wrong. I mean, he was the man that I wanted to be like. He was a missionary. He had a heart for souls and a heart for his family. Well, something happened in the church where he left the mission board and he decided to go to Alaska, now, let me just tell you something. I don't know if some of you have lived in Alaska, but, but going from New York City to Alaska is a big change. And there's a lot of personality differences in Alaska than there are in New York. And he didn't last long. In fact, he only lasted less than a year. In fact, that church that he went to in Alaska closed its doors under his leadership. They didn't respond to him. They didn't like him as a pastor. In fact, one of the people in the church said, let him starve. We don't pay him. We're not going to pay him. Let him and his family starve. I felt bad for this man that I um, idolized and and loved and, and looked up to. He made the move from Alaska back to another church in the States. And when he made that move, he started to do things that violated Scripture. To the point where it pinned one of my friends against him. Lawyers got involved. Different things got involved. My friend ended up being the casualty. The one that I looked up to continued to minister even though he was violating scripture. I'll never forget when I found that out. My world crashed. I mean, this is a guy that can do no wrong. He loved God. He loved the Bible. He loved his family. He loved, he loved everything that I loved. And yet he made a mistake, a big mistake, and he continued in that mistake. The worst part of this story is when I confronted him as a son with a father. And I said, 
Look what you have done, and, and how can you do that? And, and he, in anger, looked at me and said, what could have I done differently? What? And I said, you could admit what you did was wrong. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And until this day, now, our relationship has never been the same. What do you do when someone you look up to continues violating God's word? What do you do during those moments? What do you do when it gets into a church setting and a leader or a pastor is, is living in violation of God's word? Now, here's, here's the problem. Sometimes we equate a violation with God's word with one of our unmet expectations. Like we think that this guy's got to do this, this, and this to be a good leader. I'll never forget when the baseball coach, the new one, Coach K, and if you tell him this, I'll beat you up. But anyway, Coach K... When, when, when he came, we were all excited about Coach K. I mean, this was going to be amazing. He was going to do it. I thought Johnny's going to play every game. I thought he's going to take care of the seniors. That didn't happen. Now, was Coach K a bad coach because he did that? No. He just didn't meet my expectations. And when you don't meet my expectations, guess what? We start accusing. Don't go there. That's not what the Bible is saying here. And so there's two, we get into arguments over superficial things or other times we just sweep things under the rug when it's a clear violation of God's word. So this, this morning we're going to look at verses 19. I want to show you what do we do when those that we look up to and their leaders and we show respect to, which is said in the verses before, now we have to confront in sin because they're living in sin. Notice this here in verses 19 to 21. It's going to talk to us. Uh, how do we handle those who live in unrepentant sin? Verse 19 tells us we ought to do our homework. Investigate thoroughly before you make an accusation. Watch this here in verse 19. It says, do not receive an accusation. Stop there. Don't even welcome it. I love during donut time when Chalmer gets his phone calls. He gets so many calls during donut time. I don't know why that happens, but they're looking for his money. They think, you know, they can get this or that. But Chalmer has a beautiful way of answering his phone. He does this. He goes, hello, this is Chalmer. And then the people start asking for whatever they're asking for. Goodbye. <laughs> Here's what God's saying. Somebody comes with an accusation, they come by themselves, and they just got this accusation. You say, hello, goodbye. Don't come unless you got the facts. Don't come alone. Look at this here. Don't receive an accusation against an elder, somebody who is is pastoring, shepherding a church. It may be a pastor is preaching all the time or another elder. The elders of the church is talking about the office of elder. Don't receive an accusation except on the basis of what? Two to three witnesses. They ought to have the facts straight. They ought, you ought to be doing your investigation. It doesn't mean that two or three need to see it. It means that the facts are there, that these people really know they can get behind it. This is not just one person making an accusation, trying to destroy something. Someone else. We see that all the time. I read a story about a pastor who was in his first church 
And the elder said, can you go to this wealthy uh, member? He, we don't know if he's saved. Can you ask him about his salvation? So this young pastor right out of seminary goes to his house, says, hey, are you saved or what? You know, he didn't even know how to talk to the guy. And the, and the guy's like, are you questioning my salvation? A few weeks later, the church burned down. They're in a schoolhouse. And that wealthy member stands up in front of the whole church and says, can you believe your new pastor questioned my salvation? We should fire him now. <clears throat> no one in the church stood up, not even the elders that told him to go over to the house and ask him. And that guy was fired that day. Hello, goodbye, if they come by themselves. You make sure that you got the facts straight. Satan will do anything to destroy a man, destroy, destroy especially somebody who's committed to the Bible, committed to preaching, destroy him, destroy family, destroy a church, to stop all that with one accusation. So be careful. He says, don't, don't receive an accusation unless the facts are there. You've got two or three witnesses there that the facts are in, that you are weighing the facts. And it doesn't mean just because the facts are there that the person is guilty. Now, we live in a world that tarnishes people, that people accuse one another all over. It's he said, she said, it's all these things. And, and they're making all kinds of accusations. At the end, the person is tarnished. The damage is done. He says, be careful. He says, do your homework. Investigate it. Make sure you listen to the facts. Don't receive it. Don't welcome it. Don't, don't get that. Accusations are going to come. We live in a, a foreign world. I don't care if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a pastor, whatever it may be. They will accuse you of something. Be careful when you hear that accusation. Make sure that you've investigated it before you believe it. Now, sometimes those accusations are true. And in verse 20, this is the key here. Look at this here. He says this. He says, don't receive an accusation in verse 19 against an elder. Let's base it of two or three. Don't, don't just jump the conclusion there. Investigate thoroughly. But if it's found true, you got to rebuke them. Now watch this in verse 20. Those who continue in, notice the next word. What is it? Sin. Don't miss this. Those who continue in sin. It doesn't say those who don't meet our expectations. It doesn't say those who have a subjective accusation against a person that I can't prove. It doesn't say that. It's this is not our opinion. This is Bible. They are violating the Bible. They are violating clear scripture commands. You can go to the Bible and say this. You are violating right here. It says in the Bible, don't do this, and you are doing it. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Usually it has to do with leadership in the church. It has to do with moral issues. It has to do with marital issues. It has to do with money issues. It could be one of those three things in those categories. Something is wrong. They're violating it. Here's what's interesting about this. They're violating these issues here. I was reading of a pastor in Alabama who shot his wife. Is that a violation? All right, now, now listen to this. Not only did he shoot his wife, he was engaged to another woman two months before he shot his wife. Is that a violation? Better believe it's a violation. You know what happened? This guy was doing these things in the two churches before this church. 
And he was doing these things in the next church. And then finally it came to a head where he shot his wife in the third church. These are clear sin issues. This is not just subjective, something that we just say, oh yeah, I'm going to accuse this person of. I was thinking of one of the accusations that I got in my life that makes me chuckle and some way makes me sad in another one. Um, before you guys were sitting in these beautiful chairs here, we had pews. Anybody like pews? Yeah. Right. I mean, but you can hear, I mean, you can hear things in the pews. And, and let me tell you something else. We had these pews, but one with the, 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 the side of it would fall off. So I'd be preaching, God, God loves you. And the thing would fall off. Oh, I thought somebody died in the back. So I had some lady come up to me and say, you know what? We need to get rid of the pews. We need to put chairs in. I said, chairs in? You're crazy. People are going to get, why do we need to get rid of the pews? So we didn't do anything. Months went by and we decided, you know what? We need to get rid of the pews. So we had a chair committee and we had a chair of the chair committee and we had all these things and we just backed it up and some guy left the church mad. You know what he said? That Jeremy made us get rid of our pews. He's a pastor that forces things on people. He made us get rid of our pews. Really? Did you talk to the chair of the chair committee? I wasn't even on the chair committee. I didn't even pick these out. I didn't even pick the color or nothing. Someone else did. But I was the one that made the pews get out of the church. People will accuse. They will find things. He says here, these are the ones that are in sin. They're continuing in sin. They're violating 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 7. They are in clear sin. You can give a chapter and a verse. Here's what you do with those people in verse 20. Here's what you do. You rebuke them. What does that mean? Bring it to light. You share that chapter and verse. You say this is a violation of what God says in his word. You can't have another woman. You can't embezzle money. You can't live like this and show the scripture. And it, it, it's bringing it out to light. And look at this in verse 20. You bring it out to light in front of who? In the presence of all. In other words, you rebuke this person. And always when you rebuke somebody, you're, you're exposing their sins so that they would come back to God. And you're bringing it out to light. You're letting other people know that this has been dealt with. How many churches and organizations have we heard of that the leader makes a moral mistake and nobody knows about it? And they go to the next church and do the same exact thing. And the next one and do the same thing because they don't let the churches know this guy has moral violations of God's word. I got a, a good friend that became a... Um, a director of an organization and he went from pastoring one church to a leader of over a thousand churches. And he would always talk about the Cubs. And let me just tell you what I think about the Cubs. I hate the Cubs. <laughs> Not one amen. If you're a Cubs fan here today, there's a church down the block that you better go to. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Around. I'm kidding. Around. You can take the pews too. But anyway... <laughs> He would always talk about the Cubs. The Cubs did this, the Cubs did that. I hate, that's why I hated the Cubs. Every time they got a base, the Cubs base hit, this and that. I, I didn't want to hear about the Cubs. But w one day, I don't hear anything from him. I'm like, what happened to this guy? 
So I write him. I don't hear anything from him. I look on his Facebook. His Facebook was deleted. His social media was gone. He wasn't answering any messages. Everything went black. I wrote his good friend. I said, is everything okay? He says, we're handling the situation. And then a week later, he resigns. No one knows why. Months go by. I don't hear from this guy. I nothing. Months go by. He shows up on Facebook with his arm around his wife. He's in Florida now teaching in a Christian school, teaching children. What happened to him? No one knows. Thousand churches don't know. No one in the no one knows except the leadership of that organization. Finally, it comes out. People thought, was he embezzling money? Was he? What was he doing? It comes out, and this is really sad. His daughter picked up his phone, college-age daughter, picked up his phone and found, found him texting another woman, trying to get with another woman. And so kudos to the daughter. She turned her father in. The organization, who was good friends, everyone loved this man, told him he needed to resign and get help. But here's the problem. Nobody knew in the organization what was going on. You say, why don't we just sweep it under the rug? Look at this verse. Look what it says. We rebuke in the presence of all. Why? So that the rest also will be what? Fearful of sinning. I don't want Ellie to pick up my phone and find me trying to get with another woman. By the way, my kids have my codes to my phones. They can get into my phone, my electronics. That holds me accountable. I don't want to stand before you one day and say, yep, Ellie found me out and I, I have sinned against you and, and resign in front of you because this should cause a God-giving fear in our lives to help us to want to live for God and to serve Him with all our heart, soul, and mind. See, if we don't know what's going on and these people are just coming and resigning and, and going and we're sweeping things under the rug, who's going to learn from that? Who's going to grow from that? Who's going to understand from that? But if we understand that the stakes are high here and we don't want this to happen to us, it will cause us to think twice before we send that text message or think twice before you get on that internet site or whatever it may be. It says, those who continue in sin, they have this unrepentant heart and they're, they're violating God's word. You bring it to light and you, and you let others know so that others would be fearful of doing the same thing. Now, here's what happens to us. Verse 21. This is where we live. We have favorites and we have feelings. And it is really hard for us to confront somebody that we love or look up to or, or try to talk to. It's really hard for us to do those things because they're our favorite or, they're, or we have great feelings for them. And sometimes the feelings are thicker than the Bible. Look what he says to Timothy. This is beautiful. He says, Timothy, I'm going to call in the big three. Look at this. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. Timothy, God's watching. Timothy, I'm calling you in the presence of Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is watching. 
Timothy, I'm calling you in the presence of his chosen angels. Do you know, by the way, when we do church, the angels are observing this. I don't know how exactly or what, but, but they're observing this. I'm calling in the angels here too. Timothy, you got to be careful of two things. Now watch this. Only found here in the New Testament, these two words that we struggle with. All of us struggle with this. These two words. Look at this here. Timothy, I want you to do this. I want you to maintain these principles without what? What's the word? Bias. Bias. Only found here in the Bible. The word there speaks of being prejudiced. Prejudice. Don't have preconceived ideas. Don't make up your mind before you hear the facts. Don't go into a situation and say, I know what you're going to tell me. You don't have to tell me. I know that person's guilty. Guilty as charged. Don't go into that with that. Don't think that you know all the facts before you hear them. If you search it out. Don't be quick to make that judgment right away. We are so quick in judgments. We are so quick. We just, I, yeah, I know what happened. I know that, that, that person's bad. He's bad. I knew it. No, watch out. Don't go in there with that mindset that you know what happened or you know the facts. In fact, look at this verse here that beautiful Johnny's going to put up here. Look at this here. He who gives an answer before he hears is what? It's a folly and a shame. Ever answer something... And you didn't hear what the question was? <laughs> and you feel like an idiot afterwards? Am I the only one? No. All right. Guilty? I, I told you this story before, but I always get a chuckle out of this one. One of the pastors, when I was first saved, asked me if I was going to take a shower. I said, what do you mean take a shower? I take a shower every night, every morning. I take a bath at night. I do it twice, twice a day. No, 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 because you told the other pastor you don't know how to wash. Yeah, I don't know how to wash clothes. <laughs> Not how to wash my body. That's a different thing. So all the pastors, they made this prejudgment that I never took a bath. I thought that was the weirdest question any pastor could ever ask me. Are you going to go home and shower? And why do you want to know that? <laughs> they thought I was a stinky kid. Be careful with making judgments before you know the matter. It's a folly and it is a shame. There were two churches in our area here in Colorado Springs that went through a serious, serious thing against each other. And the pastor, one of the pastors resigned. And the other pastor came up to the associate pastor and says, I take his stand. Didn't even hear the matter. I side with him. No, listen. Don't go into it with these judgments in your mind when something is going on. You got to get rid of all those preconceived ideas. Now look at this next word. This is really hard now. because those. So he's saying, go with the facts. But now look at this one. This is really hard. Look, do nothing in a spirit of what? That speaks of our feelings. When we're inclined to like someone and we love them so much that... We love them so much that we put them in a place that only God belongs. And so there's no way we can talk to that person about their sin. I like him too much. 
or he's dynamic in this, or he's good in this. So we just sweep it under the rug. And that person is never what God wants them to be. You see, it's easy for me to rebuke somebody I don't like. <laughs> In fact, I get that off my chest. <laughs> but to rebuke people I love, that I look up to, that was one of the hardest conversations I ever had with that pastor. He was my idol. If you ever go to a courthouse, you'll see outside the statue there, the Roman goddess. Don't ask me her name. I can't say it. She has a blindfold on. You know why she has a blindfold on? So no prejudices are there. She has a balance there. You know why she has a balance in her hands? Because she's ready to execute objectively a balance. And she has a sword in her hand. You know why she has a sword? Because she's ready to judge. We need our blindfolds on. We need the balances out. We need the sword in the hand. And we need to be biblical. And here's what this passage is teaching us. Don't put people in the place of God. I don't care how great they are, they will disappoint you. But Jesus will never. There are people who don't go to church anymore because the leader has disappointed them. I understand that pain. I've been there. I'll disappoint you. We'll all disappoint you. But our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ and him alone. Let's not put these people on a pedestal and say, oh, I got to respect the guy. You know, put him on a pedestal where we can knock him off. Let's put him up on a prayer list where we can lift him up. And, and if that person, I don't care how much you like them or, or, or how, many, how many ideas you have about, if that person is continually violating Scripture, not your expectations, but Scripture, God help you to collect the facts and then bring it to light. Others will learn. That person will learn. And God will be glorified. It pains me when some family members talk to me about the churches that they've been into and some of the things that the pastors and, and the leaders have done and the churches do nothing about it and then that pastor or leader goes to the next church and does the same thing or even worse. God help us. I don't care who he is, what his name is. Could start with a J, his last name start with an E. Nobody is God but God. So let us do what the church is called to do before that window blows out. Let's pray. <laughs> Our Father, it's so easy to put people in place of you, whether it's a parent, a coach, a teacher, a pastor, a politician. It is so easy to fill that hole in our hearts with people rather than fill our, our holes in our hearts with you. 
And God, a lot of the times that we have disagreements with others, it's not because they're living in sin. It's because they're not meeting some kind of expectation that we may have of them. Whether it's a good expectation or a bad one. So Father, I pray that you help us to be biblical. And God, and to learn from the mistakes of others. Lord, I, I see friends, good men, fail, leave their wives, abandon their children. God, help us. Help us to follow you. Help us to put our eyes on you. Help us not to use man as an excuse not to follow you. God, you still love your imperfect church, even all the things that happen. So, Father, I pray that you would just continue to use us for your honor and glory. I pray for our hearts right now. I pray, God, that we would fill that hole right now with you. Maybe it's a spouse with another spouse trying to get out of them what only you can give them. Maybe it's a parent looking at a child or a child looking at a parent. Father, you know the needs here today. So I pray that our hearts will be filled with your goodness and filled with your presence. And we would all look at each other and say, Jesus is enough. He's the one that will never disappoint. He's the one that will never leave us nor forsake us. He is the one that is always with us no matter where we go. And he is the one that deserves all our worship. Help us never in this church or in any church that we ever attend put anybody on a pedestal. No one deserves that position. We look to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.